Welcome to Landwards, the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers. Hello and welcome to the Landwards podcast. I am your host, Andy Newbold, and today I am joined by the Principal Investigator for the Hands-Free Farm Project and Senior Lecturer in Agricultural Engineering at Harper Adams University, Kit Franklin. Hello, Kit. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. And thank you very much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure. I have got very excited about, about the idea of being able to uh, to work you hard with questions today. So let's fire away. Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, okay, so uh, I'm, I guess, what I'd describe as fairly standard or typical background for an agricultural engineer in, in the UK. Uh, born and sort of brought up on a family farm um, uh, just outside Sirencester. Um, it's quite a small farm so my father actually sort of diversified and went into construction so um, you know sort of an upbringing surrounded by farm machinery construction machinery um, and all the things that go with it my my eldest brother then when he got to sort of um, leaving college after studying mechanization wanted to be a contractor so again sort of set up a business as, as an ag contractor so you know when I was my early teens there was lots going on with uh, farm machinery construction machinery despite the size of the fa- family farm we had quite a lot of kit about and obviously that 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 got me interested and excited about machinery really a classic rural upbringing, to quote yourself, and and you know you're very very lucky to have had that as well. So why did yeah, you decide? Yeah, I mean, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, what? Oh, yeah, as I was, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, outside of just what set me up to be an ag engineer, I guess you know it was it was that classic rural upbringing, you know, building dens, um, shooting air rifles, uh, bike rides, you know, ignoring my parents and going off for for many hours of an afternoon into the countryside. Really, that's illegal nowadays. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> you know, and you had no mobile phone either or, or internet service. I, well, yeah, no, I'm not as old as you, Andy. So I did have a mobile phone, <laughs> but uh, the uh, I had a mobile phone, but I didn't like to use it. And I certainly never topped it up. It was, I had a mobile phone very begrudgingly, really. Um, I was told I had to have one, but I never put any credit on it. <laughs> oh, oh, the irony, given, given, the, given your day job nowadays. Um, what, why did you decide to become an agricultural engineer then? Um, so as I sort of alluded to, that all the machines around my sort of existence got me really interested in machinery. Um, and, you know, it's really a passion of my family. I say my brothers, my father, they all love machines. They say we've got plenty of toys, big boys toys at home. Um, and, you know, I'm uh, I'm dyslexic um, and struggle at sort of reading, writing, that sort of subject. But I was good at, I'm gifted at maths and science uh, through school. So so the sort of the school th- subjects of maths and science mixed with my sort of passion and interest for machines and, and, and diggers and dumpers and cranes and tractors meant that engineering was a sort of obvious choice. Um, I... I had fancied myself as an architect because I, I liked design and drawing. Um, but it was when I actually was uh, a friend of my eldest brother uh, went off to Harper and we, I heard about this place called Harper Adams and this course called Ag Engineering. And um, it, I sort of thought, well, that sounded about perfect, really. And that was when I was around f- sort of 14 or 15, I think. 
Um, I'm going to just dive off sideways, and I'm, you can you can tell me to stop, and I'll apologise in advance. But you know, you, you mentioned about being dyslexic and the fact that you were good at maths and physics. Do, do you feel that the dyslexia has held you back, or just taken you off in a different direction? A very good question, Andy, and a question I'm quite happy to discuss, and probably one that I don't really talk about a lot. I don't, I don't sort of not. This is not trying to be critical to anybody, but there's some people who, who are very pleased to tell you that they're dyslexic and I just like to kind of get on with it, really. Um, I personally believe it made me a much, I'm very visual person. I can picture designs that I'm going to put onto paper in my head, fully formed before they hit the page. You know, I'm very visual in my mind. Um, the, even the way I do maths is very visual. I literally stack blocks on, on in, in my head when I'm counting yeah. sort of thing. Um so my personal belief is that that um, dyslexia has made me who I am. And if it, if I didn't, if I wasn't dyslexic, if I wasn't dyslexic, I wouldn't be the engineer that I am, and I wouldn't have done all the things I've done. On the flip side of that, it makes life hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm a I'm an academic by accident, um, and and one of the things that you're supposed to do as an, as an academic is 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 write journal papers and conference papers and. And, and obviously read and mark a lot of student work. And, and frankly, I'm not very good at it. I'm pretty slow at reading. I'm pretty poor at writing. So it's it's challenging for, for the career I've ended up in. It isn't, it isn't great, but I believe it's what made me an engineer. Yeah, um, I, and I think in that regard, um, it's, it's probably not useful to view it as something which holds you back. It's probably much healthier to view it as, as, as you say, something which has made you into the person you are and is a fundamental part of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, much, it, it's much healthier than some ridiculous label. Yeah, it frustrates the hell out of me. You know, I, you ask my wife. There's there's days where I do have a bit of a meltdown at six o'clock where I've not managed to achieve, you know, a few paragraphs that I needed to write, and mm. and, I, and 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 yeah, it, it it's challenging. But but yeah, as I say. I, uh, the reason I do what I do, the reason I have the crazy ideas I have, the the reason I'm good at speaking, I think, is because I'm not good at writing. So I'm good at standing yeah. up and talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I, uh, you know, I am who I am, and I, I'm not really, you know. Yeah, and let's uh, yeah. let, let's celebrate that, as you say. It's it's been it's been a it's been a stepping stone and a building block in terms of get, getting you where you are and what you're doing. So so that's got to be a good thing. Um, just sort of stepping back towards Harper Adams and and and. You know, going to Harper Adams to do a degree in ag engineering. Leading on from that, and what you studied at Harper, what was your route into the industry from that point? So, well, I kind of have to touch on Harper a little bit to answer that. Is I, I turned up at Harper having done maths, physics at, at A level and design at A level. Went into Harper to do ag engineering. Did signed up to the masters um, because I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to design big shiny machines. Um, you know, to be honest, going in, I'd been Harper has has a really good connection with JCB, and and you know that was forefront of my mind. Wouldn't it be great to get the JCB scholarship, end up there as a, as a design engineer, working on fast track or something like that? You know, they they were the ideas going into Harper, and then what happened whilst I was at Harper is is I actually gained a love of agriculture, not just ag mechanization and ag machines and ag engineering. Um, 
And this is really critical for me and why I'm different to a lot of my now students. You know, there are a lot of students who, who, I, who I lecture who do ag engineering and off highway engineering who, who want to be engineers. They want to design and develop machines. Um, and that's great. But what actually happened to me is I got really interested in crops and farming and, and, and what the machines are for, not just the machines in their own for themselves you know um so so i got interested in in the ideas of of of, of robotics and things like ctf um you know low pressure uh, you know direct draining all those sorts of ideas started to really inspire me that it wasn't that rather than i didn't i ended up not just wanting to go and be a, a not so i have to be careful because i don't want to disrespect it but i ended up not wanting to be a design engineer in a cad office just designing the next cultivator or the next tractor. By the time I left Harper, I had decided I wanted to change agriculture. And, and that's what that was my journey. And it, not everyone's journey is the same, but that was certainly mine is, is, is growing up on a farm. I didn't really love farming. I loved farm machinery. By the time I left Harper, I'd found a love of farming itself and, and agriculture itself. Um, so then when it came to trying to find a job after leaving Harper, that kind of, I guess, made things a little bit more confusing because, um, you know, as, a, as an engineer, there's plenty, of, there was certainly at the time, plenty of jobs to go and be a design engineer and design the next cultivator. Um, but that wasn't what I really wanted to do anymore. Um, and, and then it just so happened that, that Harper had funding to do some ag tech uh, work under the sort of Innovate UK um, uh, agri-tech catalyst schemes uh, and I was approached by Harper sort of four or five months after I graduated and after I'd done some traveling around the world um, to would I be interested in working on as a design engineer I have to say but would I be interested in working on these projects that were looking at agriculture in a fundamentally different way? So things like hyperweeding, where we were looking at lasers to, 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 to eradicate weeds. And also we were looking at building, uh, working with Big Bale uh, South and the Transstacker, looking at how we could make a Transstacker work in a manner that fitted CTF. So these, so basically Harper came to me with, would I be interested in going to be a design engineer on these things? that I found were, were a bit more revolutionary than, than the commercial design engineer roles that were out there. Um, they, were, they were actually considering ag in a different way. Um, so, so that's what I decided to do. I also decided that in order to change the world, uh, as I kind of wanted to do, you, you needed to meet the right people, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, you, uh, you needed to mingle with the right people. And I felt that Harper would give me the exposure to lots of people yeah. i mean we, we get lots of politicians and industry leaders and whatever coming visiting harper looking at what we do and i thought well i'll get to meet some interesting people there um so that was what what what, what pushed me back to harper as, as an employee really um and and i think you know both of those sort of aims came true as i worked on some interesting things and i certainly met some met some interesting and useful people who then helped me along my journey so you know, we, we we've touched on sort of hyperweeding and the and the trans stacker and some of the other bits and pieces. Um, what 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 sort of took you on from there? I guess into the into your hands free world, as it were. What, yeah, what so, was the stimulus? So obviously, I was working under Simon Blackmore, who is the sort of you know godfather of 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 ag robotics, as it were. Um, the don. And, uh, 
the Don. And, 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 as a, and as a student of his, um, I used to question his ideas, you know, before I was working there, you know, we used to have in my master's year, we used to have sort of tutorials with Simon and we'd get into fairly heated debates about these ideas of eng- of robots and what they could do for engineering and, and what they could do for farming. Um, and so I, I'd, I developed this idea myself that I didn't really quite agree with his views of, of really small, tiny robots, but I kind of had grown this own idea in my own head that maybe we needed sort of robots that were smaller than commercial tractors, but they could still look like tractors and be smaller, uh, maybe the sort of size of a T20 or something. That was always my yeah. thing, is that T20s didn't seem to cause compaction. Why don't we farm with T20s? Why don't we farm with T20s anymore? Well, because we don't have enough drivers. If they could drive themselves, we could once again farm with T20s. And if you look around the world, the vast majority of the world is still farmed by T20s or T20 derivatives. You know, if you look to India, Turkey, China, they're all farmed. Africa, they're all farmed with small little tractors. It's only Western Europe, Australia, America that have gone for massive iron. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of proves my point. You know, it kind of, to me, it proves my um, my sort of thesis in the sense that if we just had yeah. more people, we could still farm with small tractors. So that was the idea I had grown from Simon Blackmore's ideas of these really small robots. Um, but the problem was I wasn't a very good robotics engineer. Jonathan Gill, who I worked with, um, so I used to do the mechanical designs and Jonathan would do the mechatronics electrics bit to make my designs move. He was very good at making flying machines and robots. So basically, the, between the two of us, it was like, well, we could take my idea of a small tractor and we could take your abilities as making robots and together we could we could actually farm with robots which no one had done at that point um everyone else had got stuck you know with things driving around car parks as i like to say um so you know to to try and answer your question which i think was where did it come from basically it was my idea of that had come out of this learning about agrobotics plus john's abilities together could we we came up with this scheme and then linking back to my further point is is then by meeting and, and chatting to all the right people, I'd met Clive Blacker from, you know, Precision Decisions, who who was a good person to enable us to 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 move that idea forward because he was always up for for trying new things. Sooner or later, something had to happen with Clive, as you say. Yeah. Um, let's fast forward. Tell us about your day job now. Okay, so... Um, in technical terms, I, I'm a lecturer four days a week. I'm a, I, I'm, I run research one day a week is how my time is supposed to split. Uh, reality is it's much more blurred than that. Um, but basically, I, I, I'm the administrator, I like to think, really, for Hands Free Farm. I don't get to do any of the really interesting stuff. The, the team do that. And there is now a, a really good team working on the Hands Free Farm. Um, so I won't name any because then I'll, I'll forget some or something. So that'd be bad. But yeah, there's a, there's a whole team of engineers working on Hands Free Farm. Sadly, I don't get to do the engineering. I have to do the, the admin, make sure the money's coming in, make sure we're buying the right stuff, make sure you know, we're not annoying too many people at Harper with the things we do. Um, outside of that, I, I, you know, I lecture and um, I sort of inverted 
commas lead the the agenj modules at at harper now so i uh, the the agenj specific modules within a, within our broader engineering section i sort of lead those modules and obviously have work with a great team you know many obviously all of which uh, i agree members simon cooper and and david white etc um graham and, and simon woods i don't have to mention them all of our and again i'll forget some so you know there's a whole team of ag engineers at harper but i'm sort of module leader on the majority of the ag eng modules now um and, and form, that's quite, form that learning that, that's quite a seamless seamless link into my next question to be honest which is um you know thinking about your life with the institution of agricultural engineers and that's also where we we really met as well what role does volunteering play yeah so to me i my my volunteering with with the iagri is is not really volunteering in the way i sort of view the word volunteering so i i don't see that i'm a volunteer i just see that it's part of my career um i'm a true believer and i think you probably already tell from everything i've done and we've already discussed that i'm a believer that you only get out of things what you put in um and and, and, and therefore you know, if I want to get value from the IAGRI, I probably have to put in a bit of effort to get that value. So signing up to be on a committee or, you know, now being part of the executive, um, you know, it's put, putting in the effort, but then it, it builds relationships. You meet people, etc. So I don't, I, you know, volunteering to me sounds like it's a very selfless thing. And yeah. I don't see what I do with, with sort of IAGRI as being selfless, if you get what I mean. Yeah, but um, you do give of your time. And, you know, you don't have to when you give of your abilities and your talents for a greater good than just Kit Franklin. Yes, you may bask in the reflected glory and yes, you may get some side benefits, but you don't have to do any of it, do you? It's optional. No, but then you don't you know no, nothing interesting comes from saying no, does it? No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> not. Agreed. You're spending too much time reading Dave Gorman books. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm not because I don't read much because I'm dyslexic. Back to the start. Sorry. But, uh, audio, <laughs> no. audio books. Listen to him. No, but you're, but you're right. You know, literally, I, when we started Hands Free, Hands Free went mad. Um, and the reason it went mad is because we spoke to loads of journalists and we did loads of interviews. And, and, be, and I just did not say no for two years from, from 2016 when, we, when it kicked off through to sort of end of 2018. I never said no. I said yes to everything. And it, and it eventually wore, wore us out. And now I have to say I do on occasion say no. But, but you know, it was only by, it was like, Christ, the limelight's only going to be on us once in our lives. So this is me and John, I guess oh. I'm talking about. Um, and it was like, let's just, let's just take it all. Let's go for everything, Crack you on. know? Yeah. Let's make it work. Let's, let's, let's demonstrate a combine live at, at serials. Why not? What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well now you know now you know what could go wrong and your liver has never recovered presumably um <laughs> no, just, anyway again you know you, you're quite good at teeing these up tell us a bit more about the hands-free farm project then uh yeah so hands-free farm hands-free hectare was great we 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 achieve, achieved something that no one else had achieved we grew a crop entirely with autonomous machines but that was limited in its scope in the sense that we had a square flat one hectare field um uh, and 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 quite rightly, the criticism that we would receive would be, my field isn't square and flat, and it's certainly bigger than one hectare. Um, so Hansbury Farm sort of sets out to to sort of solve those 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 queries. Really, yeah. it's it's bigger in scale, it's bigger in scope. We have 
five fields, 35 hectares of land. We have odd shaped fields. We have overhanging trees. We have telegraph poles. We have footpaths. We have banks and, you know, wet patches and dry patches. All the things that a farm has. In fact, we have it worse than, you know, a lot of places. We've got one field that's been flooded for three months of last year i think it was underwater so you know it really is a challenge that we've got ourselves so that's the sort of academic side of what we're doing with hands-free farm and we, we are and, and just to finish off the academic we are monitoring the economics of it and trying to work out if this is a valid way of farming going forwards um the commercial side of it so speaking on behalf of um precision decisions and farm scan ag who are our partners obviously precision decisions is now part of map of ag but nonetheless they are partners in that project and they are developing products so you know by the end of hands-free farm we should be at the point of potentially offering um retrofit auto you know autonomous systems to retrofit to, to tractors out on farms so there's a commercial output of answer yeah. farm as well as the sort of academic showcase side of it which is you know which is obviously bigger than it was previously so so there is a there is a commercial imperative as well isn't there um let, should we should we sort of step back from hands-free farm and look look at the big big picture in ag engineering get bear in mind you know who's listening to the landwards podcast where do you see ag engineering as a discipline going um, it's going to get more broad. Ag engineering is broad. It always has been broad. Um, you know, I guess I would, you know, when I started being an ag engineer and studying it, I guess, you know, ag eng stretched from civil with drainage and irrigation through to mechanics of machines, hydraulics and some, some basic electronics. Um, and now, you know, you have to push that electronics into AI, robotics, data, power electrics in time uh, is going to become more important for, you know, potentially EVs coming into yeah. our industry. You know, so it's just going to get more broad. I, I always say, um, and I've said to you before, Andy, I think that, that, you know, agricultural engineers are what is now commonly referred to in engineering as systems engineering, systems engineers, you know, the sort of the, the 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 modern term for for what we do is systems engineering so you know essentially ag engineers were systems engineers before systems engineers were were invented yeah um we've, you know, we've always been integrators we've always been integrating exactly. technology we've exactly. always been be, we've always been a bridge between theory and practice with with the theory being physics in in, in large part and the practice being farming yeah yeah 100 percent. and it's that thing of going and that's kind of what we did with hands-free again you know we we saw this, John was working with drone technology, technology developed to make machines fly by themselves. We went, oh, look, that's really useful, um, reliable tech. Let's take that and put it in a tractor. Those oh. people never considered tractors, but we did. And we put it in, you know, and that's kind of what ag engineers do, isn't it? We, we, we go, oh, look, there's a thing happening over there. We can pinch that and put it into our world. We have a look at what's in the stingers in the yard and see if we can repurpose it. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at a very simple farmyard level i think we're probably working slightly higher than that level but um so moving on from that what do you think the key issues are which are facing ag engineering oh well you know same as humanity climate change um uh lack of lack of people and and the big old challenge that is um the sort of looming climate and social changes that we face with agriculture 
which are phases in industry is going to require engineering to solve its problems. And then we as ag engineers uh, need to ensure we have enough people coming in at the bottom end to solve those problems. Um, You know, there's a plethora of problems to solve. And at the moment, we have a limited number of people coming in the bottom end to solve them. And if you look at IAGRI as an institution, I think, you know, our, our membership reflects that in its age and um, experience levels, which are great. But we need to get some people in at the lower end. Yeah, we need and, to think people in, don't we, and encourage them in. Yeah, which I guess has been you know, again, arguably one of the greater achievements of hands-free is we've managed to put ag engineering into mainstream media on a few occasions. You know, we've been on the Gadget Show, we've been on the One Show, we've, you know, we're on the BBC News. So we've put ag engineering in the mainstream view, you know, yeah, the vision of of, of the mainstream society. Hopefully some people have been inspired to come into our industry because of that, Um, really, I think. And I think talking about people coming into the industry, what advice would you offer to anyone heading into or considering ag engineering as a career? Yeah. So if you're not like me from the normal background, get yourself onto a farm. Um, because if you get yourself onto a farm, you know, you, you know, you don't want to be a farmer. You want to be an, uh, an ag engineer or an ag technologist or whatever. It doesn't matter. Don't don't just try and do that first. Get, get yourself onto farms and see some of the problems for yourself because you'll soon see a problem walking onto a farmyard you'll see that the grain store isn't big enough or quick enough to keep up with the combine that they've just invested in you'll see that um you know the yeah i don't know yeah millions of things you'll see problems all the time on farms and those problems often require an engineering solution so go and find what what problem you want to solve and that'll give you great context because you know, what makes an ag engineer not just an electrical engineer or a mechanical engineer or a civil engineer is that context. So if you want to be an ag engineer, go and get yourself the context, I think. Yeah, Yeah. no, context is king. Context is king. Content is king. Either way, context is king. Um, Kit Franklin, Principal Investigator of the Hands Free Farm Project and Senior Lecturer in Agricultural Engineering at Harper Adams. Thank you very much for your time today on the Landlords Podcast. This has been a fascinating insight. I've really enjoyed it. I have a feeling we could probably have recorded three or four more hours of this um, for the Redux version if anyone was interested. But no, it's been really good, Kit. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries, Andy. If you ever want me to come back on and bore you some more, happy to do so. But but we'll save everyone at this point, I think. There'll be, there's plenty more things to cover. We haven't we haven't you haven't told me you we haven't done your desert island discs yet or discussed your luxury item kit. So at some point we'll have to come back to those things. Thank you very much, Kit Franklin. Yes. For more information, visit www.iagree.org. You have been listening to Landwards the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers.